Hi, and welcome to The Caption Life, a show for the most casual and dedicated fans of comics and a member of the Comic Watch family. I am your host, Sean. Join me and discover what the world of comics and graphic novels has to offer. From one-on-one interviews with industry professionals to roundtable discussions with passionate fans and reviews on the latest comics, TV shows, and movies. You can find me on social media under the username at Caption Life. You can also find more episodes and information at thecaptionlife.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the show. In today's episode, we are discussing the Marvel Studios Disney Plus series, She-Hulk Attorney at Law. I know many of you have probably watched this, but for those of you that haven't yet, or if you just want to know the details in general, here's the official synopsis and production details. The synopsis reads, in Marvel Studios She-Hulk Attorney at Law, Jennifer Walters, an attorney specializing in superhuman-oriented legal cases, must navigate the complicated life of a single 30-something who also happens to be a green six-foot, seven-inch and super-powered Hulk. The show was created and written by Jessica Gao. Episodes were directed by Kate Coro and Anu Valia. And the cast include Tatiana Maslany as Jennifer Walters slash She-Hulk, Ginger Gonzaga as Nikki Ramos, uh, Malia Araya, which I hope I pronounced that correctly, I don't know, <laughs> as Onset She-Hulk reference, Jamila Jamil as Titania, and Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner slash Hulk. But before we get started with our review, we do have an awesome guest with us that will be adding their thoughts and insight about She-Hulk. Hulk, please welcome to the show Maggie, who goes by Vegan Superkick. Maggie is new to comic books, but no stranger to fandoms, a co-owner of a toy store, and a huge fan of wrestling. She quickly jumped into the comic culture and loves discussing representation and themes within the genre. Maggie, welcome to the show. How you doing? Doing pretty good. How are you? Not too bad. It's been kind of crazy. I, you know, um, we were talking about this a little bit. I was actually just gone last week on vacation, and I felt like it was a pretty good time to take a break from everything that's happening. So I'm glad to come back and talk about She-Hulk because it wrapped up, I think, about a week and a half ago from um, the night that we're recording here. So it seems like we're a little bit late on that, but that's just because I wasn't able to get in last weekend. So, um, but yeah, other than that, doing pretty good. So. Good, good. I'm glad. Well, and it gave us some time to like kind of really get our thoughts together. Yes. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Sometimes it's kind of good to have a little bit of time to like think through things or even like rewatch some things before you start discussing it as well, too. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so in your bio real quick, I want to share that you um, had said that you're a co-owner of a toy store. And I want mm-hmm. to ask you, you know, how did that come about? Because I remember, first of all, you and I are mutuals from TikTok. That's how we both connected. Um, and I love your content, especially we're both huge fans of Daredevil as well, too. So it's like anytime that you're talking about Daredevil, I'm watching it because I'm like, yes, more of this, please. Um, yeah, yeah. But being a co-owner of a toy store, I, I'm kind of curious, like, how did that come to be? Is that something that you've always planned for? Or is that something that just kind of like, you know, fell in your lap or is it an opportunity or anything like that? Can you share a little bit about that experience? It is definitely something I never planned on. Um, <laughs> if you had told me 10 years ago that that would be my, that this would be my life, I would be like, what are you talking about? That's insane. Right. But um, it, it's actually my husband's baby and he's always kind of been infatuated with um, like comics and, and figures and things like that. And it was something he was kind of doing on the fly anonymously when we met and after we got married we were like hey like let's just do this Mm -hmm. and I I did hair for 11 years and in the middle of the pandemic I you know had to kind of step back from that to do virtual learning with our son and now I am you know pretty involved with the store and that's kind of how I got in the position where I'm at you know I would spend so much time just picking up Marvel Legends and stuff and you're like who's this he looks creepy you're like who's this she looks awesome and he's like well okay this is that character and if you like them you should watch this movie and like he showed me all the MCU movies in order and now I read comics every week you know so <laughs> yeah so I have him to thank for all of this but yeah that's I kind of I guess you could say I got into all of it kind of backwards too right like figures movies and then comics but right yeah, it's a fun life. <laughs> and and I, I love the name of the store, but just because it throws me off. But would you like to share the name of the store? Yeah, we're called Toy Vomit. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a story behind that name for uh, for all of us that are listening? 
Um, I think that, well, so he came up with it, but it was just kind of this anonymous uh, Instagram handle that he had for a long time. <laughs> and it, it, I mean, you, you don't forget a name like toy vomit. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and your bio said that you are relatively new to reading comics. And from what you just shared, it sounds like you probably started around when the pandemic started. Is that right? Or were you reading it before? Yeah. Okay. Around then is when, when I got really into specifically like MCU projects, just because there's so much of it available. Right. Um, and, and we had Disney plus then, but, um, but I really just kind of got into everything around then. And yeah, I, after I got more familiar with characters and stories, you know, I would start asking more questions like, okay, well, what should I read to figure this out or like whatever. And mm-hmm. here I am. So, yeah, no kidding. Well, I gotta say yeah. that, um, Knowing that detail, because I didn't know that until just now, watching your TikTok videos, you're very knowledgeable of a lot of the comics that you talk about. So I'm just very impressed because me, I I grew up reading comics and then I got back into it about five or six years ago when I got Marvel Unlimited. And me personally, I've just been kind of a slow reader. So I've kind of grew up with the comics world, but don't have the same kind of knowledge with like some of the details or things like that. So I'm kind of getting caught back up with what I missed out from, you know, the 20 years that I've been, you know, missing out on comics and everything. But I've always been very intrigued and impressed with all the knowledge that you have and even more impressed that this is a relatively new journey for you. So this is really Thank cool. You. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> That's really nice. I think it's called a hyperfixation. <laughs> we'll, um, we'll call it, you know, knowledge and, and wisdom. But yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I am fortunate enough to have time to dedicate to reading comics and make content about it. So mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's I'm very lucky for sure. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> well, and one of the reasons why I brought you on the show is because you had said that you're a very big fan of She-Hulk in the comics. And so I thought you would have a lot to say about the show as well, too. And so I'm really excited to have you on to review the She-Hulk show. So I'm Thank very you. excited about that. Thanks. Yeah. So um, with that said, just like all of our review episodes, there's going to be spoilers. So for those of you who are listening and haven't finished watching She-Hulk yet, I would recommend that you press pause now, go watch it, and then come back. So now let's go ahead and jump right into our review. So for this episode, we are going to discuss some of the key moments, themes, and elements of She-Hulk. And so what we're going to be discussing is our overall thoughts. Uh, we're going to talk about how the show kept true to the character from the comics, um, how this is a show focused on women's experience, because I think that was a big part of the theme that you and I, um, Maggie, identified with the show and how people reacted to that. Uh, we're going to talk about all the characters that this series had, like Hulk and Abomination, the B-level character villains um, that were in here. Uh, Daredevil, obviously, because we talked about how we're both fans of that character in general. Going to talk about the the finale episode and what this means for the future of the MCU. So with that being said, and that being our outline, let's go ahead and start with overall thoughts. And I'll kick this over to you, Maggie. What was your overall thoughts about this show, She-Hulk Attorney at Law? If I had to... If I had to like rate it on like a 10 scale, I'd probably give it, I'm going to give it a high number. I give it like an eight or a nine. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like I thought it was fantastic. I love that it was so much like it was so different from all the other shows. Right. Um, but it still was like as exciting to me as any other Marvel project. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I absolutely loved it for sure. What, did you like it? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And this is something that I've been discussing in any time I have conversations about the MCU, because I know there has been a lot of complaints generally from people about how the MCU feels like it kind of follows the same formula, at least for the movies in terms of, yeah. you know, how it develops and what it's about and things like that. And She-Hulk, I think, is one of many projects that are doing something different that we haven't seen before that doesn't fit that formula. And this was a great show to do that because of the character and because of, you know, that background of what the character is like in the comics, they had a lot of fun with this. I think, um, you know, there's a lot of elements to this show that made it very successful from a humor standpoint and from, uh, you know, just character development as well as content and things like that. I love 
Um, just some of the things that they really took advantage. I think the show itself here really played into and leaned into the trolls that they've kind of had to battle throughout the whole time they've announced the She-Hulk and uh, series and everything else that, you know, people have been hearing about the MCU. Um, but they, you know, just had a lot of fun with being able to write this show and it came through. And I think overall, I would give it um, about maybe more like a, around seven or eight, just because there was a couple episodes I felt like um, the show was episodic in the sense that every episode seemed like it was a self-contained story. But there was mm-hmm. a couple episodes for me where if you took it out, it didn't really do much of anything for the entire uh, season overall. So that's why I kind of gave it around the seven, just because I felt like there was a couple of episodes that probably could have developed a little bit more and didn't seem like it really uh, hang with a lot of the other things that are going on. Um, and just mm-hmm. the fact that there wasn't, um, I think there wasn't a clear, um, you know, storyline from beginning to end, or, or at least not a strong storyline from beginning to end because it was very, episodic in nature as well too but with that being said i did love what was all in there i loved the characters that they had in there i loved all the things that they did with it and and everything else that we're going to talk about a little bit later in this episode as well too but i really enjoyed it i think that this was a really fun one where it's meant to be lighthearted and silly and fun and not something that we've seen in the other projects of the mcu as well so Big time. Yeah, yeah, big time agree for sure. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about how the show kept true to the character in, in the comics for Jennifer Walters and She-Hulk. And I'm going to be honest to say that I've only read a couple of She-Hulk issues, so I'm not extremely familiar from the original source material of She-Hulk. I've read up about her, um, you know, in summaries and things like that, but I haven't really, you know, dove into the comics probably as much as you have. And so um, I wanted to ask you, how did you think this show did in terms of translating the character from the comics into a series for Disney plus? I think they did a fantastic job, honestly. And that's not being, being biased because I love the show or the character (laughs) that much. Um, But the to me one of the most interesting things about she-hulk is she was the first marvel character to break the fourth wall mm-hmm. and her do being the first character in the mcu to do you know obviously we can't have anybody else do it but staying that true to the comics and and i think they did a good job there were some i think in the early episodes where she would say something i'm like that was a little cheesy but at the end of the day like that that is jennifer walters you know what i mean right. she's a little um i don't know how to describe her she's she's a little cheesy she's a little quirky mm-hmm. but yeah no i between that and just like her attitude towards life and men and the people around her um like in this most recent run that's being put out by i think rainbow roll uh, she's terrified of Mallory. And so like it it all just it's very uh, consistent with multiple runs that I've been reading. So I I think they did a great job. I'm excited to see how they handle her moving forward. Too. Right. Right. I, yeah. I guess there's a lot of great fourth wall uh, breaks that they've had in the show. My favorite one was um, I think in episode three, when she looks at the camera and says connecting plot a with plot B nice, you know, like yeah. totally unexpected because he was <laughs> yeah. off camera to begin with. And just for her to pop in and then pop out like that was probably my favorite fourth wall break moment in the series as a whole. So I love that. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. What'd you think about Tati? Um, Sorry, Tatiana Maslany playing the character. Do you think she did a good job play, uh, portraying her as an actress? She really did. I, she really did. At first, I'll be totally honest with you. I've never seen any of like the other stuff she's been in. I know she was in, um, oh, what was the one where she played like a bunch of different characters? Or, Orphan Black, was that it? Uh, maybe, yeah. Yeah, I think that's where I people, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um, so at first I was like, well, she's kind of like tiny and like small. I don't think she's going to be that scary. You know what I mean? But then like, you just, you just love her. Like she just makes you just fall in love with her as a character. Mm -hmm. And I think that that kind of makes her a little bit more relatable um, in this day and age. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think she did a fantastic job. She made me want to be like best friends with Jennifer Walters, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And I agree with you that the first time I saw her was she was actually a somewhat regular in the show Parks and Rec, which I don't know if you've ever watched that show. Was she? Yes. So she was the traveling doctor that ended up dating Tom Haverford for a while. 
Oh my God, she was. Yes. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've watched Parks and Rec. Holy crap. Yeah. Okay, so I have seen her in other stuff. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, wow. and, and the first episode of my watch, I was like, you know, she just looks so familiar. And so I had to look up IMDb and I saw yeah. Parks and Rec. Like, I don't think I even had to look at the character's name. I was like, oh, yes, that's why yeah. I've seen her at, you know? And, yeah. And she was great in that. Um, but yeah, with her being Jennifer Walters, like you said, you know, she is. Um, as you know, in her human form, smaller than you know a lot of the other supporting characters and everything. But her personality that she brought with the character was just bigger yes. than life. That really that, just made her you know shine throughout the whole series, and that made up for it for sure. Definitely, yeah. Because I feel like, at least in the comics I've read, even Jennifer Walters in her human form is kind of like a, um, and maybe she's not. Like maybe I just read her that way because she's a lawyer. You know what I mean? Right. Like, lawyers are scary to me, but like she does kind of usually look like a five foot seven woman, you know what I mean? Wearing mm -hmm. heels. Like she looks huge and like scary anyway. But um, yeah, no, I, like you said, the personality that she brought to the show was just, it was, it was fantastic. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and she yeah. had a great mix of delivering the comedic lines with some of the more, um, dramatic and emotional scenes that we saw, especially, you know, yeah. looking at the themes of comparing Jennifer Walters with She-Hulk, how they're, you know, you know, two sides of, of the same coin and everything and how, you know, that's a metaphor for a lot of things that we can talk about as well, too. But the mm -hmm. fact that she was able to kind of bring that all together and, and deliver it um, in such a you know, powerful way each and every time, no matter if it was, you know, something that she was supposed to deliver a punchline or something that was supposed to be like gut wrenching or just, you know, anger, like what we saw in the first episode and all that. She just did a fantastic job, I think, of bringing that, you know, strong balance to all those things that she delivered as well. So yeah, yeah. she crushed it. And you can tell, like, no matter what, see, like you can tell that she just genuinely enjoys being that character too. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. You can just see it in interviews and stuff like that. Like she really is happy to be here and like, it just makes me happy to have her, you know? Yeah. Well, so. and, and what I love about what the marketing team has done with she Hulk is how they leaned into Madison and Titania on social media yeah. with having yeah. um, Jamila Jamil. Um, I always, it's, I always tripped up her name, so I probably, you know, butchered that really bad. But, you know, how she went and, like, spray-painted a, a wall. Then there was, like, that TikTok video where Madison's, like, standing in front of her. Then Titania was, like, walking behind her. Yes. Very sinister and all that. Like, I, I think they did a great job of just really playing into that and having a lot of fun that, with that as well, too. No, I agree. I think that, um, I think Titania just, like, taking over Jamila Jamil's entire social media yeah. was just perfect. <laughs> yeah. it was really really perfect because that's exact it's like so true to that character anyway it was great right i liked how they i liked how they wrote her for the show yeah oh yeah definitely yeah. and and we'll talk about that in, in a little bit because i know there's been some discussions about her character story in the show mm -hmm. and how they um handled that as well too but one of the themes that we wanted to talk about and you know there's a lot of things that we can touch base on but I think overall from beginning to end what we really saw in this show was that this is really focused on women's experience so right off the bat you know this is a show that you know men can enjoy but it's definitely you know uh, relates to women on uh, on a larger scale that you know we haven't seen in some of the other shows that we've um, have on the MCU as well too. So even though we've had some powerful female lead, this seemed like it was really geared towards you know the everyday woman's experience. And it's funny is when I watch this with my wife, I never said anything during this episode, but she's you know when a moment comes up like for example um, when uh, Jennifer Walters shows up in the women's bathroom and all that, she's like see there she's like <laughs> she was telling me there's this like unspoken rule like when that happens like you take care of your own and everything you know and yes and that honestly like that's something i really never knew you know being a male just like how there's that kind of experience and culture that exists and you know like my wife and i've been married for years and we never really talked about that but it's really interesting how she had brought that up to me i was like oh i didn't realize that this was a thing that you know even she knew like i didn't know if like it was something like you know, for like a particular group of women. But I mean, she was just like, yeah, this is a thing. <laughs> and so I thought oh, it was yeah. really interesting. So I, I want to get your perspective on, you know, how you felt about the theme of this being, you know, um, diving into a lived experience for women as a theme for the show and what your takeaway was from that and what you thought about that. I 
as a woman, I absolutely loved it. And like, there were definitely scenes where I like emotionally reacted, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Because like your wife, like there is a culture there. Like there is this kind of silent understanding. Uh, Like we've all helped girls walk to their car in the dark. Like we've all had to like call out someone's boyfriend in public who was like screaming at a girl that we didn't even know. You know what I mean? Like it's happened to everybody. It's probably happened to us, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. The, the theme of the shared female experience, I, I think they did a really great job of doing that without, without like really, really, driving it home mm-hmm. you know what i mean and, and i'm sure some people think that they did but i think that they did an, an awesome job of being like this is camaraderie and this is some some things that women have to go through like that whole conversation that she had with bruce and like the very what was that the first episode i think right yeah um yeah and that's you know people got in a big tizzy over that but it was there was nothing but facts being spoken there you know right like, yeah, I, I I loved it. And as a woman, I related to it. And like you said, we haven't really had that in the MCU before. Um, I feel like most of, and there's some phase four projects that are a little bit of an exception there, but like up until now, you know, like the story of Black Widow is pretty alienating. Right. Uh, the story of even Wanda is like, it's still relatable. These are all relatable stories, but like there's, there's just nothing. There's no camaraderie. There's no, there's no group setting mm-hmm. for them to fall back on as characters. They all had to go through things alone. Right. Um, so to see, you know, Nikki and, and all her friends like kind of come together for her, like, and even strangers in a, in a bathroom, mm-hmm. um, it, it felt more real and relatable to me. Yeah, right. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, for me, honestly, the only, other time we've kind of experienced that sort of female camaraderie was in Hawkeye between Kate and Yelena. That's yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I think Hawkeye is kind of the only exception <laughs> to that. From, yeah. But even then that yeah. was, that was secondary versus how this show really, that was one of the central themes with it as well too. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, yeah. I, you know, just as you mentioned, I think there's a few moments in the series that really stood out to me that, you know, really, um, focused on women's experience was just like what you had said when she was talking to Bruce about how Jennifer had to control her anger uh, multiple times, you know, uh, because she's a woman, um, because of how she'll be perceived if she, you know, lost her anger or, you know, this or that. Um, and again, I think it was really telling about how there was a lot of, you know, toxic fans that came out and said, you know, that negated Bruce's experience, which in my opinion did not do that at all. You know, like Bruce, no. Bruce definitely had trauma, but she was not downplaying the trauma. She just talked about how she has had experience, like dealing with that anger because up to that point, Bruce never had experience um, having to control his anger until it became the Hulk. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas Jennifer yeah. was just simply sharing that she's had to learn to do that as a woman before she became She-Hulk because that was a lived experience. And so I think that was something that, you know, was really interesting how that was the very first thing that people were talking about in that episode of, you know, why they thought that was a terrible thing to do and everything. And so that was, you know, really interesting. And then the one thing that really surprised me in terms of what got, um, you know, some toxic fans really um, in a tizzy was the whole twerking scene in episode three with Megan <laughs> yeah. the Stallion. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun. Like when I watched that, like there were, I would not have predicted that this was something that people would lose their minds over. And so I was really surprised yeah. that that was a problem for some people, you know, like, did you, were you surprised by that too? Or you're just like, I really was because, <laughs> I, ah, because there's some hip, hip, hypocrisy there. I mean, if, if Deadpool did it, <laughs> it would be funny. Right. It w- and I would laugh. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm not saying I wouldn't think it was funny just for, you know, sake of the conversation. Mm-hmm. But if Deadpool did it, it would be funny. That's all I'm going to say about that. Mm-hmm. But no, I agree. I, that one for sure <laughs> took me by surprise. But I think by the time that moment had happened, people were already upset and offended and just looking for other reasons to be mad. You know what I yes. mean? So yeah, I think that. Eh. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, and that's the thing is like, like no matter what would have happened, they would yeah. have had something to complain about yeah. or or been upset about and all that. And that was something that was just like it. I thought that of the whole episode that would have been the safest thing because it was just a funny, goofy <laughs> scene. And apparently, yeah. 
Yeah, just like we said, just people had a problem with that because they were just looking for that. Um, the other thing that I thought was really interesting and really powerful in, in this series was the focus on, um, you know, real versus personified identity, I guess. And I don't want to say personified necessarily, but, um, you know, the dealing with the identities on depending on the situation that you're in, right? So I forget which episode this was, but this is when Jennifer decided to go um, do the online dating and she wasn't having a lot of success as Jennifer. So she went mm-hmm. as She-Hulk and she had a lot of success in terms of matches and everything, but she was still, you know, ending up with some creepy people. Um, and then she did end up connecting with somebody that she liked, but then when she, you know, became Jennifer, he immediately you know, did not have any interest in her whatsoever. And you saw how that was just kind of a blow to her because even though she is She-Hulk, she still identifies as Jennifer Walters. I feel like, you know, that's kind of the real identity that uh, people have versus the one that they, you know, kind of make online or, you know, the perceived identity that they put out there as well, too. And I thought that was really interesting because we haven't really seen that played out in a series or the movie in the MCU yet. And again, I think this is really cool because this is a different kind of series that we can dive into that it's not following the formulaic type of thing that people are complaining about, but it does give you a lot of, you know, connection and insight on what that experience is like, especially, you know, for, you know, men who haven't been on that side of the coin or, you know, people who haven't done the online dating or, you know, dating in the thirties and what that experience is like as well too. And so I thought that was a really cool way to kind of express that sort of experience um, in the TV show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that also kind of calls back to some moments that she has in the comics too, where it's like, you know, she does struggle and eventually she becomes very comfortable just being She-Hulk, obviously. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like just being accepted as yourself. Like you said, I really didn't think about that. Like, like how you present yourself to the world versus how you are in real life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah, it, I I felt for on that one for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's talk a little bit about one of the things that this show has done that we haven't seen in the MCU yet, which we've already talked about in a number of things. But this show gave us a lot of characters um, in a small amount of time in a lot of different yeah. ways. Right. So um, we got some of the heavy hitters like Hulk and Abomination. We got Daredevil, which we're going to you know save that for, um, you know, a, a different point in this conversation, because I think you and I really want to dive into that really <laughs> yeah. well. Uh, but, yeah. but Hulk and Abomination is in there. But we also got a lot of B-level characters like Titania, Leapfrog, uh, Mamble, the Magician, Donnie Blaze, the Wrecking Crew, Porcupine, Mr. Mortal. And so this show gave us, you know, one episode or each episode gave us a, you know, just a fun side character that we got in the comics that probably wouldn't have shown up in a solo project or anything else. But it made a lot of sense to kind of do it in She-Hulk because then you had a lot of fun with it and that you could bring in these levels of characters without feeling like you had to make them, you know, serious. Like if you had um, some of these characters in a movie or something like that, that wasn't, you know, comedic in nature necessarily, but um, it was more of a dramatic or action-packed form. These characters Mm -hmm. probably wouldn't show up, but it made a lot of sense in She-Hulk. So I wanted to ask you what you thought about that. If there were any characters that we got from the show that really stood out from you um, that were B-level characters or just, you know, any other character that we may have seen or not seen before. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I thought it was really funny and like, I thought it was a great way to kind of just bring in some random characters, you Mm -hmm. know, from the comics, like you said, people that would literally never get any like spotlight in media after that. But um, I think it's a good representation of like the kind of clients that she gets as a lawyer, as like a superhero lawyer, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Because you know, B-level people are out here doing some B-level stuff. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so it it, it is like a, a cute little nod to like her work as a lawyer, I think. But um, mm-hmm. but I really enjoyed uh, that one particular episode that she spent the entire day at like Abomination's Lodge or whatever. Yeah. And like when we got to meet all those people, we <laughs> laughed at... Um, uh, is it porcupine? We laughed at yes. porcupine. We thought like, him taking off the mask. I'd be like, no, nope, put it back on. Yeah. <laughs> like, I thought that was really funny. That was really cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he might have been my favorite. Oh, yeah. 
Now, yeah. um, I think for me, you know, I, I really liked them. I, I think Leapfrog was just funny because yeah. he saw himself as kind of a hero, but end up being a villain like really quickly. So it's just funny how, you know, and especially given his status, because you find out that his father is like really important for the law firm. So he became important for that and that he immediately flipped like in the same yeah. episode in terms of I was being a good guy. And now that something didn't go my way. I'm going to be the bad guy. You know, um, yep. one of the things I or one of the characters I found that was really interesting um, that I did want to talk about was Titania. Um, and that is because. Titania as a character in a background was very, very minimal, right? So mm-hmm. what we learned about her is that she was a superhero uh, social media influencer. Um, again, I don't, I didn't read her in the comics. So I don't know how that translated from the comics to the show necessarily, but that's pretty much the only backstory that we got other than, you know, that. And we just know that she didn't like She-Hulk for a number of reasons, right? And we still don't know why Titania smashed through the courtroom in the first episode. <laughs> right. So, yeah. so there's like, so I, I get when people are saying like, you know, there's just a lot of holes in the story. Um, mm-hmm. I agree with them with that. And that, you know, I, I think that can bother you if you're just like, I want to know why she was doing that or why this was happening and everything. Um, mm-hmm. On the flip side, you know, this is not something that's uncommon in the MCU either. Like for example, one of my favorite characters, Hawkeye, when we first got him in Thor, we didn't get any backstory other than he was a agent of shield basically, you know, and that whole movie yeah. seemed like nobody was really bothered by that. No one was like asking who was Clint Barton, you know, it was just like, we all know he's Hawkeye. We just kind of moved on from that and everything. And yeah. so um, I find it interesting that, Yes, those are some elements that probably could have been filled in, but at the same time, it's not a unique thing in the MCU to introduce a character and not give you all that. And so I think it's something to always ask ourselves, did we get enough, though, to know what's happening with the larger story and all that? And mm-hmm. I think by Titania, there's some things that we probably could have got more. Maybe it was just left on the cutting room floor. But um, but I think overall, I'm just kind of curious because you had mentioned that, um, you know, how Titania is in the comics. What did you think about her story and how they treated her in the show um, from the comics as well. So I haven't read much of her in the comics. I'm okay. familiar with like when she was in like the mighty Thor run. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm from she, she's been in and out of like this very current she Hulk run. So I've, I know very little about her. I've never seen her be portrayed as like a social media influencer, <laughs> but I will say I, I think that that was such a good way. Like this show does such a good job of like connecting with the current audience. Right. Um, I think that that was kind of the perfect way to, to introduce her as a character because she is like big and loud and larger than life in the Mm -hmm. comics. But other than that, from, from, again, from what I know, somebody might email me and be like, here, right here. She was on Instagram. (laughs) Well, I don't know. Right. But, um, my thought process is this, and I, I've seen, this is not my original thought. I, I took this from Twitter and I was like, that's a really good idea. But <laughs> when you look at Titania and you look at uh, like Mallory, mm-hmm. two people that Jennifer's always kind of at odds with, those two people in my head are representing each side of her life mm-hmm. if she fully committed to either one. Right. You know what I mean? If she really committed to law, she could be just like Mallory. If she really committed to just being a superhero, she could be as big and scary as Titania. Mm-hmm. And I also think, too, that, and I don't know, if you have any other thoughts on this, let me know. But I also think that, like, the whole trademarking of the She-Hulk thing and, like, <laughs> her taking it and, and and turning it into her own thing. To me, that was kind of a little bit of a nod to, like, the controversy around why She-Hulk was even created. Oh, right? okay. Like, yeah. Yeah, like, like, just being created so they could just get a copyright on the character before um, anybody else could. Right. Um, so I feel like that little bit of controversy was kind of like a callback to her origins as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, so I liked it. And Titania is always kind of somebody that she rivals her in the comics, like in the current run by Rainbow Roll, she and Titania have a fight club together where they just get together. Oh, and that's they just awesome. Eat the crap out of each other. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it so much. So uh, as different as she is from what I've read, um, I thought, I thought the way that they wrote it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I agree with you. I feel like I, even though I didn't know a whole lot about her, I feel like I don't really need to know that much. Right. You know, right. like 
Like that's just it. Because again, it's it's a Jennifer Walters show. It's not a cameo exactly. show or Titania. Exactly. Exactly. Titania and I can't remember her sister's name. They get their powers in the comics from Doctor Doom. So oh, I was okay. kind of hoping maybe we would get some <laughs> kind of like little hints and a nod of like, yeah. not necessarily like an origin story on her, but like maybe a little bit of where, why she's a superhero. That would have been a nice little hint hint, yeah. but maybe her being around was enough. Yeah. So. Well, I, and I feel like Dr. Doom is kind of like the Kevin Bacon of MCU because it's almost like yeah. every project they come in, everyone's like, this is why Dr. Doom can show up. Like for Black Panther, Wakanda forever. There's a lot of rationale as to why Dr. Doom can show up because there's a lot of back history between him and Wakanda, you know? So yeah, I find it very absolutely. interesting that every project we have coming up, it's like Dr. Doom can show up in this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know it's, I, I I try not to buy into that stuff, but <laughs> then at like one in the morning, I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> maybe <laughs> it, it's a lot of fun to indulge in that as well, too. It's like, you know, yeah, just kind of no, thinking. Yeah. So because because you probably saw this, but I had a theory of with She-Hulk with and Daredevil, which um, it. I, I'm a little bit disappointed that they didn't do this because I think this would have been the ultimate thing that they could have done with the show. But I had made a TikTok video saying, like, wouldn't it be funny how all the toxic fans who were really disappointed with Daredevil and they were only watching it for Daredevil, they finally get him in the last or second to last episode. And then we find out that it was a scroll and not just that, but a female scroll. So another green female that ended up being their favorite character this whole time. And so it was it would have been the ultimate troll for them right so i i would have loved that um but i i, I want to get back to um, what you had mentioned because i think some of us aren't familiar with the copyright issues with she hulk that you brought up and so i want to ask you because I, I i'm a little bit familiar with it but i feel like you're more familiar with the circumstances around and everything but can you share and explain what was that copyright issue with she hulk um in the comics and why they made her and, and kind of explain that backstory there so I am pretty sure I made a couple TikTok videos about this mm -hmm. before the show even aired. So like my, <laughs> I might not get it entirely correct, but the success of, I think it was the bionic man. Yes. I, I think that, yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. There was that. And then like the incredible Hulk like show or whatever mm -hmm. became so popular um, that they were really afraid. Like Marvel was afraid that the success of the bionic man, they were going to make like a bionic woman or something like that. I can't remember. I, I, I should have watched my old TikTok videos before. I, I knew I was going to have to say <laughs> something about this, mm -hmm. but essentially she Hulk was created um, like out of a rat race to get a copyright for a big, scary mommy character. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and I think her origin story is kind of cool, like in the comics, but yeah, essentially that's kind of the argument between some people who just don't really care for her as a character is that she was just created out of necessity. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Just to kind of have the character around, but she's got her own origin story. She was created like 17 years after Bruce mm -hmm. um, and has had many successful like solo comic runs at, since then. So right. I don't really see what the argument is. <laughs> so. Right. But that kind of makes sense. And, and now kind of put that in perspective with this whole case with Titania and the yeah. She-Hulk name that actually I never put the two and two together. So I love making that connection that you just made with that. So that's that's a, that's really cool. So I'm thank you for explaining that backstory. Yeah. The last thing I want to say by Titania, then we'll move on to um, one of our favorite characters in the show here, is that I feel like Titania was also kind of a nod to the TV show from Amazon Prime, The Boys, that's based on the comic of the same name, that the whole story of The Boys is pretty much like what would happen if superheroes were, you know, capitalized basically in the free market. And and that's essentially what Titania is for the MCU is this is a superhero <laughs> that is really utilizing and um and using the free markets and capitalism to her advantage and everything. And so I think it was kind of like a fun little nod to that whole success of the boys and kind of bringing that whole idea into what yeah. if superheroes were, you know, kind of, you know, heroes for hire, you know, which that'd be great if we got yeah. <laughs> yeah. that no, series, I, right? I think you're right. She's, she's pretty much like the first 
uh, super powered person we've seen really, like you said, capitalize on it. I mm-hmm. off the top of my head can't really think of anybody. Usually everybody else is like struggling. Right. You know, and like, and Jen, Jen's kind of going that way too, but not really capitalizing on it, but like she's cool with it, right. you know? Exactly. Yeah. And and the only person or, you know, a few people that you could probably say might have been Tony Stark, but he was doing that way before he got his, you know, super armor and tech and all that. And and he's kind of doing it differently than what Titania is doing here. So because because Tony is more his name was already recognized as a giant in the tech industry before he became yeah. Iron Man, whereas Titania is really leaning into her presence as a superhero, social media influencer to, exactly. to do those exactly. things. So, yeah. All right. So let's talk about the character that we have been really waiting for in this show, other than Jennifer Walters. And that is daredevil. And I'm going to let you go first. And just <laughs> what do you want to talk about and say about daredevil in this series? Oh, I thought it was great. <laughs> right? I thought it was I have no notes on how well <laughs> it was it was perfect. Yeah. I I loved how it was executed mm-hmm. um because you know, we got we got our first taste of Matt Murdock in No Way Home and it was brief and it was fine and it was it was cute. Mm-hmm. But this was our first taste of Daredevil right. in the MCU. Mm-hmm. And I I thought they did a wonderful job. Mm-hmm. I really did. I and I don't know. I just like I just had like this wave of excitement wash over me. Oh yeah. Um I, I love the suit. I, I thought that the suit looked great. I don't think we'll ever see it again. <laughs> um I love that they did the little the little play of the music when yes. he was talking. I love that he got a little bit cocky when he was talking to Jen and she was like, Why are you dressed like this? And he was like, I'm daredevil. <laughs> So like, it doesn't yeah. really get like that. And she's like, yeah, yeah it, no. is, it is daring that you decided to use ketchup and mustard <laughs> as a killer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I thought that it was great. I, I loved the walk of shame. Yes. I loved that. I love that he showed up late to court and he was like, I'm here. Like, yeah, <laughs> it, it felt like he was addressing like everyone who had been asking for him to show up. You know what I mean? Right. Like he. It was great. I knew when he was showing up late that he was in good hands. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I was like, these people did their homework, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, and they had a lot of fun. And and what I liked about Daredevil in this series, and this is something that a lot of, you know, diehard Netflix series guys were really, you know, adamant and, and upset with is it it leans into a different kind of character style for Matt Murdock that we haven't seen, right? Like Netflix is definitely mm-hmm. more of a, of a gritty, darker series that we all love. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not the only version, just like the comics, it's not the only version of Matt Murdock and Daredevil that we can have an experience yeah. to have fun with, you know? And so I really liked how they had a lot of fun with this in a number of different ways. There's a lot of call outs to the Netflix show, like the music that yeah. you mentioned in the hallway scene. We all thought we were going to get another, you know, long yeah. one shot sequence and everything and then that got interrupted by Jennifer Walters and I love that part as well too. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Um in terms of the suit, I will say and and you probably see me talk about this on TikTok as well too is that I am not a fan of the yellow suit at all. Like I know that was his very first suit when he was first introduced into Marvel Comics mm-hmm. and I just never been a fan. But with that being said, I feel like they did a good job of making it seem realistic and palpable with it wasn't like a bright yellow. It was more like a metallic gold type of thing. Not even metallic gold because it was more opaque than than shiny yeah. or anything, you know. But at least it was something that's like tasteful. And like I could get behind that. Like as somebody who is admirably anti yellow red <laughs> daredevil, I like yeah. the suit. I thought the suit really you know pulled off well, and they had a lot of fun with it. And it was a lot of just kind of a you know a, a what they call it, a fan. Um, Fan uh, like fan service. Fan service, thank you. Yes, that's the word I'm looking for. A lot of fan service with this, which I think is is a lot of fun. And they had, you know, great opportunities with that. And and I it's unfortunate that some people think that we can't enjoy this Daredevil because they thought it was like too campy or too unrealistic with his somersault moves, even though that's what we got from the comics. And again, it's one of those things where they were probably already looking for things to break down and hate mm-hmm. about the show and all that. Um, the whole thing about how people think that Matt Murdock was made to look like a bit of a, a man slut or, or whatever. Right. And, and the fact that it's like, 
in the comics, he slept around. Like, yes, he was Catholic, but he was a good Catholic. Yeah, yeah, in Netflix, yeah. At the end, I think, of the very first episode, he shows up in Foggy's. He's like, were you out with somebody last night? Like, with the barista from the coffee shop or something like that? Like, even in the Netflix show, he was getting around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look at his, look at his, uh, look at his backlog. He had, (laughs) he had Electra, Karen, Mm -hmm. Claire. Who else? He had women. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and in the show, I, I don't know if he actually ever did um, sleep with um, Karen, but he got close to it. Like, there was an intense scene, but I don't think they actually did. Yeah. 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 But there's a lot of, like, suggestive scenes. And, like, I think at one point, like, she, because he was blind, like, she undressed in front of him or something like that, you know? So, yeah. a lot of suggestive stuff that if he was a Val Catholic, he wouldn't have put himself in that situation to begin with. And so it's funny how they got upset with that, but it was still okay with how Netflix portrayed him and everything. Well, so, it's because they couldn't relate to him, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit, right? Yeah. That's just my opinion. <laughs> yeah. But no, I thought, yeah, I thought that was great. Oh. And uh, <laughs> I left so hard. We actually stayed up until three o'clock in the morning to watch episode eight because we knew he was going to be on there. Oh, yeah. And so, or I might have had my husband wake me up. I think he, he, he's a night owl. So he like, like tapped me on my shoulder and he was like, Daredevil's on. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know? Right. So, but yeah, the, the scene where he's walking through the grass and he just says hi to that lady, yes. I'm cracking up. <laughs> yeah. And you know what I noticed? Someone pointed this out on TikTok and I didn't even like pay attention to this, but he's walking barefoot on grass. Like he's literally oh touching gosh. grass. <laughs> <laughs> That's even yes. better. I know. I oh, like, man. Oh, that's good. I don't know if they did it on purpose or not, but you, yeah. You totally, know, you know totally somebody did. Like, somebody must be like, hey, why don't we have a like, walk on grass? Didn't even explain it to the people. But, like, just just have them walk on grass with a shot and, like, let's see, you know, <laughs> let's keep it in and, and see what happens with it. But they knew what they were doing, right? They absolutely knew what they were doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it was fantastic. Yeah. So. Yeah. But, yeah, I, yeah. I, I love that whole bit with Matt Murdock and Daredevil. And honestly, I hope we get a lot more of those two in the MCU, whether Jennifer Walter shows up on the Daredevil series or some other future project. But I absolutely love their chemistry on screen mm-hmm. as those two characters. And it's just great. Like I never would have had thought or pictured them together, but seeing them in the show, I absolutely loved it. And I hope they do more of that somehow. Yeah, I think that they had they had great chemistry, like you said, and you could just tell, gosh, you could just tell that Charlie Cox was just happy to be there. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, yes. <laughs> oh, it just made my heart happy. But yeah, I, I'm sure that they'll team up, especially like as lawyers mm-hmm. at the very least at, at some point. Mm-hmm. So I'm 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 like you. I'm interested to see them moving forward. Yes, definitely. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about the finale episode, uh, episode nine. I, I forget what was the title of it, um, so I apologize for that. But um, I want to get your thoughts about this being a finale episode, especially with it being so different, not just from other series, but in my opinion, I think it was very daring. I, I know that's mm-hmm. probably a pun with Daredevil and all that, but I think they <laughs> they did risk a little bit in how they wrote the finale episode here. And I personally enjoyed it. I don't know how it hit with the rest of the audience and everything like that, but I enjoyed it just because, again, it's not a serious show. So I felt like, you know, with it not being a serious show, they could do this and, and have a lot of fun with it. But I want to get your thoughts about what you uh, what the finale episode was like for you. I I went into it expecting what I think we all thought was going to happen, like a big giant fight at the end. Like I really went into it thinking like, okay, like she's going to fight so-and-so and like the leader's going to show it, like all the stuff that we had been predicting was going to happen. <laughs> right. And so when, when it like shut down into the, like the Disney plus menu, yeah. I was like, what? And I like looked at Nathan, my husband, and he looked at me and he was like, Mm-hmm. and she like, <laughs> she like came busting out of it and i was like oh my god so yeah like that it was i was pleasantly surprised yeah with the finale i really really was yeah. um i love that that the whole time you know we're kind of being told throughout the series that 
the villain of the show is like the toxic male fans. Cause let's be real. I mean, they announced the show in like 2019. So mm-hmm. they've been reading these, co- they've been yeah. reading the comments, you know, like they've had plenty of time to prepare for this. Mm-hmm. And I love that the whole time we were kind of led to believe that they were the real villains of the show. And we get Todd injecting himself with the blood <laughs> and everything. And then she's just like, eh now like <laughs> you're not gonna see this and relate to it and be like yeah like i'm the villain you know what right. i mean yeah just rip the rug out from under him I, I i loved it i thought it was great like having her come out of the marvel formula to discuss the problems yes. of the marvel formula <laughs> like my mouth was on the floor mm-hmm. you know right so i i thought it was great i loved it yeah loved it I, the dizzy plus screen I'll be honest, when my wife and I were watching it, we literally thought something happened to our TV because yeah. that has actually happened to us before. Like, we'll be watching a show that all of a sudden yeah. it just cuts out to the menu screen. And so, That's weird. yeah, like, so we legitimately thought something had happened and like I was getting ready to. You were like, damn it. Yes. And then my wife's like, wait, is is Jennifer still talking? And we're listening. And we're like, what? And then we saw her punch out through that. And yeah. I just remember losing. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so great. Because it reminds me of Andy Kaufman from the 70s where he would do that little. I don't know if you're familiar with Andy Kaufman and, and what he's done. So Mm-mm, I don't think so. So he's in like uh, Taxi. And there was a, a biopic done about him uh, with Jim Carrey that played him called Man on the Moon. Mm-hmm. And um, he was just a really popular guy back in the 70s and 80s. And what he did was he did comedy, but it was just so different that it just really, you know, um, was odd with people. And he just did like practical jokes that only he and like a couple of people really understood. Mm-hmm. And so at the time, people didn't know like what was going on until he explained it like way after the fact. And one of the things that he did is he had a show and he told the production team to make it look like for like five seconds that it was like frozen or whatever. So that people would actually get out of their seat, hit the TV and try to fix it. Yeah. And so that, that is great. And that was a scene in Man on the Moon. And so when that happened. I, I, I knew what it felt like back in the 70s when Andy Calvin did that to people because I'm just like, oh, my gosh, like we got kicked out of the menu again. But they had planned that whole thing. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, yeah, it was great. Yeah. So it was hysterical. But like it and I think it it was a really creative way to address how people have talked about. And, and I will say I'm I've criticized MCU shows for this as well, too, but how everything just kind of gets dropped in the final in the finale um, in terms of like everything just kind of gets rushed and and all that and just kind of had to resolve really quickly. And so I think that's what's kind of what happened here is that they intentionally wrote it that way so they can kind of address that part of what people have talked about, because that's exactly what it looked like was happening. It's like all this thing's happening. Bruce came out of nowhere, you know, and and everything else. And Titania is like shows up like literally like Jennifer (laughs) Walters, like looking around like, what the hell is going on here? But that's what happens like at the end of an Avengers movie. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like people just show up. Right. Yeah. But yeah. And that to me, like we were talking about comic accuracy earlier, like that was just page for page out of a John Byrne, the sensational She-Hulk run. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think Bumpkins made a video about this as well, but like, and he showed like the page, she's like literally ripping through the paper and it's like white for a couple issue or a couple pages. And she's like, yelling at John Byrne. She's like, Byrne, what is going on? And she's like, I want, I want to be in my apartment and I want my boyfriend there and I want this and I want that. And like you cut to the next page and like, she's just standing in her apartment, like, you know, like like so satisfied. And I'm like, she did that. She pulled a sensational shield. Like she was like, I'm talking to Kevin and this isn't happening. I want my ending. And I, that was it was it was beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful to watch for sure. <laughs> but and I love how they address Kevin because because you and I had a conversation about this, how yeah. it kind of got ruined for me because I watch with the captions on because I have hearing oh, yeah. loss. And when I they do, yeah. and, and when they keep referring to Kevin, it, yeah. it was it was an acronym. It wasn't a proper name. And so automatically I'm like, OK, obviously this is not going to be Kevin Feige. Something else is going to happen. Yeah. But then when you yeah. saw what it was, it's it's just genius. Like just how much fun they had. Yeah. Was just like because it got to be meta and just say, like, what's been going on with like what people have been saying about the MCU and like let's just make it part of it of, of the MCU mm-hmm. and, and Kevin being like this robot that, you know, does all these algorithms to figure out like, you know, what's the highest <laughs> success rate. One, I want to yeah. know how Feige felt about that. <laughs> but I think his only complaint was about the hat, right? <laughs> 
I'm pretty sure that was the one thing he was like, why did you do that? And they were like, and then you wear a hat, wear a hat every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like no one has so, seen him without a hat since he started the MCU, you know? So it's, it's literally, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. So, but, yeah, that, yeah, I thought it was so good. Yeah. So I, I like the finale. I know some people, you know, again, felt like things just kind of got resolved. Like you didn't see, you know, why things actually happened after she talked to Kevin. But again, I think for the nature of the show, I think they did a great job of wrapping things up. I love how she said how she, you know, talked about like smashing Matt Murdock and they brought him in again and all that. Like I absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and all those aspects. So I think as a finale episode, I think it really lived up to being authentic to the character, both in the show and the comics. And I absolutely love that. Like, is it, yeah. is it a great finale episode as a, series that would have been like, you know, like a Hawkeye series or Moon Knight, like, you know, obviously not, but because there's a She-Hulk show, it it was a perfect finale episode for a She-Hulk yeah. episode or for a series. So I agree. Yeah, yeah I agree. I think it kind of keeps that door cracked open for her to kind of have some more engagements with other people. And like, you right. just never really know where she's going to show up. You know what I mean? Um, right. Yeah. I, I think they did a good job of handling it. Like you said, comic and character accurate. Yeah. Right. Definitely. Yeah. All right. So last thing, and then we'll get into some listeners thoughts about the show as well too, but the future of the MCU now that we've had, She-Hulk. What do you think this might, you know, mean for the MCU moving forward? I know a lot of people are still asking, you know, is this the same Daredevil as the one in the Netflix series? Um, We did get a a mid-credit scene with Abomination, you know, going out there again, and and you know, there's speculation about that being, um, you know, him being part of Thunderbolts. We got the introduction of Scar, um, and I said Scar. That's not right. Yeah, is this Scar? Hulk's yeah. son is is that? I'm sorry. When I said Scar, I immediately thought of Lion King, and so I'm just like, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> no, yeah, it's just spelled like a jumbled. It's like S K A A R. Yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So we have that. So there's been talk about they're going to be a World War Hulk, you know, series or movie or whatnot. Um, but I want to hear from you, you know, as you watch the series and looking to the future of the MCU with She Hulk and what we've seen it so far. What are you excited about? What are you speculating? Anything, any thoughts that you have about it? I am, I'm excited to see, I don't know. Like we said earlier, I'm pretty fresh to all this. So like, I don't can, I'm not jaded. Like some of these other fans have been watching like everything since 2008. You know what I mean? Right. Um, So I'm excited for anything, no matter what, but I do think that we're going to get some more, just like kind of rando cameos here and there, whether they're movies or shows or whatever. Like, I just think that it just is just going to make more sense. I think I'm hoping that the finale kind of basically admitted to us like, Hey, we're going to try not to follow this formula anymore. Right. You know what I mean? Like maybe we don't have to end everything the way that we've always ended it. Um, So I'd like to see a little bit of change in how, they write and direct movies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd like to see her just kind of show up and, you know, represent whoever needs to be represented and Matt too, you know? So right. yeah. I think, I think more cameos is probably what, what I'd be more, most excited to kind of see in the future. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. For me. So obviously, you know, Daredevil's already been confirmed. Talked mm-hmm. about, I want to see more of Jennifer Walters and Matt Murdock together. Um, I will say one of the things I did love about the finale episode that I'm hoping again, like we know it's going to happen, but I'm hoping that this was kind of like a nod of like, yes, we know this is, you know, what you're asking all that. But when Jennifer Walters just asked, you know, flat out, when are we going to get an X-Men project? You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 And God, it was good. Oh, well, no. and, you know, she might, she might, uh, obviously not when we first get a fantastic four movie, but she's been a member of the fantastic four. So right. yeah, you never know. So she you can show up there. That's going to play out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I, you know, so I, I think um, for me, it's going to be those, you know, two things. I think it'd be a lot of fun to see her in different projects. Um, I'm curious to see if she does show up in something that is not a she Hulk property uh, proper if she still does the fourth wall break or how they're going to handle that, because we haven't really seen a fourth wall breaking character in a project that's not theirs. 
Yeah. And so if she does show up in Fantastic Four, like you mentioned, because she was a member of that team at one point or or um, something other than like Deadpool, where, you know, Deadpool's always breaking the fourth wall and all that. I'm curious to see how they handle that, because I think it would be a really interesting test to see how audiences respond to a movie that is not a She-Hulk movie, but She-Hulk still interacts with the audience in that regard yeah. as well, too. So it's just, it's just more of like an interest of like, if they do do that, you know, how will that pan out with the you know movie and how audiences will react to that as well, too. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it'd be kind of funny, like if she was in, like for example, a Fantastic Four movie, and like yeah. she's, you know, watching this very serious interaction go down with like Reed and Sue, and then she just like looks at the audience and says something. Reed's like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Back here. Back here. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think it'd be a lot yeah. of fun, especially if people know, you know, that's what She Hulk does and all that. Which I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I think by the time people see that, they'll know that, you know, and I'll think it'll be jarring, you know, in the least. So. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, so let's take a look at some of our listeners' thoughts about the series. Um, and I'm just going to read through these here real quick. We can you know, chime in or whatnot, but I want to make sure I read them and, and give everybody um, their chance to kind of uh, be heard and, and share what they thought about it. But um, from our Instagram account, um, the username uh, Fant zero mas said i loved it light and fun but also meta and deep and daredevil which i think everybody is loving that uh our friend john's comics with uh said solid show eight out of ten final two episodes redeemed the mediocre early ones um which i think we kind of talked about there's a couple episodes that you know were, were probably not as great as the other ones but it was still a lot of fun so um, and then our um, other friend, uh, Naj Mansour, said, lighthearted comedy show won't ask for more than what was delivered. It was very fun. Um, on TikTok, uh, Supnep Loves Comics said, personally, I thought it was good. The comedic elements were great. And the world building with the lesser known comic characters was amazing. I do think it suffered in the middle part of the season where some of the episodes felt like filler. I would love to see more court scenes and more Daredevil. Hopefully they do more crossovers like this one. Um, I think that's, you know, kind of the common thing that we're seeing here is that the middle episodes are probably not as great, but we're all loving Daredevil. Um, mm-hmm. Mr. Marvel 613 said, fun ending, but the problem, uh, I had was the overall direction. The plot and purpose of the show was hard to follow. Um, he wanted to learn more about Jim before Hulk. It was hard for me to sympathize with the burden of being a She-Hulk without knowing much of her before the show. Daredevil and the ending was fun, but honestly just missed the mark for me a little bit. So, um, and I think that's, that's fair criticism. I think, you know, again, not every show is going to be for everybody. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, I think that's, that's a fair criticism for some people. It's going to be okay. Or, you know, they might overlook that for other people it might be problem some and, and I think those are those are fair with that um, yeah. Captain Cody said I liked it I really felt like it going true to her comics and I felt like they captured her character well the comedy was great as well I love introducing the lesser known characters and mainly just building a world away from what we know and then two comments from our discord server which we actually just launched a while back with a couple other content creators as well too the discord is called uh, the Lunacasters and so I'd ask our uh, discord server what they thought about the show and um, ODPH Ken who um, is the uh, one of the hosts of the podcast called ODPH which I think is Ocho Duo Parlay Hour um, he said is a perfect send off to uh Two fans of John Bryan's run, which you had mentioned, and gave the MCU a shot of creativity with a spectacular performance by uh, Tatiana Maslany. And JT from Beyond the Fandoms podcast said, more Titania, love the fourth wall break. The case-by-case episodes might have been up and down, but the overall theme of balancing who you want to be and who others want you to be is pretty deep in his opinion. Kevin needs to be a reoccurring thing. And fingers <laughs> crossed, she hulk is in at least a few episodes of Daredevil. So, um, yeah, so I, I loved hearing people's thoughts. Thank you all for sharing that. Um, Maggie, was there anything that um, any of our listeners said that you thought was interesting or that you wanted to discuss or point out before we wrap up this episode? I think that they're all like pretty pretty valid. and I, I can agree with the majority of them. I think that the people who um, don't really understand what the plot was, mm-hmm. I feel like you just kind of have to, like it being just a, comedy episodic you know sitcom style show there are going to be filler episodes you know what i mean and mm-hmm. and even within those filler episodes we're getting some of that plot which is jennifer learning how to be herself and how to be a hulk mm-hmm. you know what i mean so even if she's just getting drunk at a wedding and it just doesn't really 
mean a whole lot in the grand scheme of things. Right. It's still us kind of following her daily life of trying to figure out who she is in this new role that she's been kind of that she just didn't ask for, to be honest with you. She didn't ask to be a Hulk. Right. So, yeah, I think that if you kind of take yourself out of you're still kind of in that formula, that Marvel formula where you're trying to figure out what each episode means. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So when you kind of take a step back and and look at it through a different lens of just like, oh, I'm just watching new girl or friends or whatever like Mm -hmm. not everything has to mean something it's just us learning her as she's learning herself right that's what i took away from it though right yeah yeah and and again some people want to have some of those details to be able to do that and um you know i I think this is one of those things where you know you're not going to be able to write for the general audience i think that's really hard to do um you know there's good shows that'll do that and good projects that'll do that um but again, I think, you know, one of those things is trying to find out every single possible detail is I think is hard to do and cram into a story without yeah, it being forced. Yeah. And so I think sometimes just like the comics, we might have to fill in the details a little bit until we find out new information as well, too. So who knows? I mean, maybe we'll get kind of a flashback to Jennifer Walters at some point, but pre-Hulk to kind of fill in some of those um, things as well, too. But I think even if we don't get that, you know, we still get the idea in, in the sense and that we can still, you know, uh, be able to make those connections as well. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. I'd be, I'd be curious to see if Kevin does show up in the MCU again, <laughs> again, outside of like she Hulk or, or Deadpool or, or something like that. So, yeah. Yeah, maybe Deadpool. Maybe Deadpool yeah. will take a trip. Oh yeah, but, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I guess I can see that happening. I, well, I can see Deadpool going in and just like taking his katanas and like slicing it all up and be like, "We're done," and and that's how he kills the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love that we're kind of moving away from like a multiverse, and now it's just like we got to find Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, Maggie, thank you very much for coming on the show and sharing your thoughts uh, about She-Hulk. Um, before I let you go, where can we find you and anything um, that you want to share with us um, online, either social media or uh, maybe your, you know, anything that you want to share with us? How can we you know, connect with you? Well, thank you so much for having me. First of all, I will take any opportunity I can to talk about She-Hulk and Daredevil. Um, (laughs) But you can find me. I am on TikTok, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, all vegan super kick. So I'm pretty easy to find on the internet. Um, Yeah, I'll send you my link. Awesome. Thank you very much. I'll make sure to put those in the episode notes as well. So thanks again for coming on, and I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And that wraps up another episode of The Caps in Life. I hope you enjoyed listening, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button. You can follow us on social media at Caps in Life. And if you like what we're doing, give us a shout-out by tagging us in your post or send us a message. For more information about us and all of our previous episodes, visit thecapsinlife.com. Caps in Life.